Uh, this past week, Kurt and I were in uh, Rio Dosa, New Mexico. Uh, we uh, spoke at a retreat. We were there Tuesday through Friday. There's a Christian school in El Paso, Texas called Jesus Chapel, and they start their year with the retreat. And uh, Kurt and I went, and uh, we ministered to their students. We ministered ministered to their staff and uh, we had an incredible time and I didn't go uh, we didn't go on our own we went with you and with your support and with your prayers we us Tulia Christian Fellowship you sent me you sent Kurt and because of your prayers because of your giving and your faithfulness we ministered to them now uh, several amazing things happened but what I have here in front of me is I have a note written by a high school girl uh, her parents are planting a church in Juarez, Mexico, and they live in El Paso. They go across, and uh, they're doing church over there, and she wrote me a letter. Uh, unknown to me, she had some things going on in her life, and uh, God really touched her and really ministered to her, and so I wanted to share with you the note that she wrote me. She said, I just wanted to thank you for what you said to me last night. Now, she's talking about what we preached. My parents work really hard to tell everyone about God. It breaks my heart to see how much they give up and to see how the people don't realize the things they stop doing. We don't have a worship group. I sing without music. Now they're planting a church. I give classes to the children, and sometimes I start to think, why are we doing it? Why are we giving up our time for people who aren't going to church? I know I'm not perfect. I've done things I'm not proud of. When I stand in front of the people in church, I want to raise my hands and worship God, but there's always something reminding me of what I've done and telling them, now you're a Christian. But now I know that God has washed me of my sins. Thank you. I needed to hear what you had to say. Her name was Eileen. And God moved on her, God moved on uh, the kids that were there, and I just want you to know it, and I want to thank you. Thank you for sending us, thank you for all that you do to make church work here, and that we can take what we have there. Uh, one of the young men told me, he said, what y'all have is, is, is too big for Tulia. And I said, exactly right. I said, that's why God sent us here, uh, to minister to you. And so I'm grateful for everything that God's doing here, Amen. All right, I'm going to finish my series this morning. We've been talking about the Bible explained in two words. And when we first started this series, you may think, well, how, how in the world can we do that? But that's what we began with. And we found out that the Old Testament can be described in one word, and that word is do. You had to do things to get God to be pleased with you. They lived under the Old Covenant. They lived under the law. In Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, is a list of the blessings. And if you obeyed God, you got the blessings. Then after verse 14 through the end of the chapter is the curse. So basically the way it worked in the Old Testament was if you were obedient. Now not sort of obedient. Okay, you couldn't kind of be obedient. You had to keep the law perfectly. And if you did, you were blessed. If you didn't, you were cursed. That's the Old Covenant. You and I don't live under the Old Covenant. We live under the New Covenant. And one word that describes the New Testament and the New Covenant is the word done. Jesus has done it. Jesus has paid the price. In the Old Testament, it was due. In the New Testament, it's done. So that's how we started this study. And so I want to continue to read to you this morning. I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. I'm reading in the New King James translation. Listen to what it says. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. 
For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Stop right there. Jesus took your curse. Jesus took my curse. What curse are you talking about, Pastor? The curse of sin, the curse of disobedience. It says that Jesus hung on a tree. The tree is a reference to the cross. I had somebody come up to me after church and say, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? He had to die on the cross because the law said in Deuteronomy, if anyone was crucified, if anyone hung on a tree, they were crucified cursed. Now, we found out a couple of weeks ago that the primary way of capital punishment then was stoning. Jesus couldn't be stoned because it wouldn't take the curse. So, Jesus went to the cross, and he took the curse of your disobedience. Listen to it. It says, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Why does it say might? Because you have a part to play. You see, the key to the new covenant is faith. Father, I thank you that the promises belong to me and I receive it. It says that we might receive the blessing of Abraham, that it might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Listen to me. You're not under a curse. If you know Jesus is your Savior this morning, the curse has been reversed. You're not under a curse. God's not the problem. He's the answer. That revelation changed my Christianity. When I found out that God was for me and not against me. See, I grew up thinking a lot of times in my life that God was after me. God was against me. Kurt loves to say, if God wants to get you, you'd be God. Amen? Yeah, if God wanted to get you, you'd be God. But God's for us and not against us because the curse has been lifted. I'm going to go to Galatians 3.26. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons. Now, sons also means daughters. For you are all sons or daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen, when you made Jesus your Savior, you were placed in the kingdom as a son. You're not a slave. You're not an orphan. You're not a servant. Don't miss this. You're not a slave. How does a slave operate? Well, if you do what I say, I'll let you live. How does a servant operate? If you do what I say, I'll keep you employed. If you don't do what I say, I'm going to get rid of you. Listen, you don't fire sons. What do you mean by that? When you were brought into the kingdom through Jesus Christ, you're placed as a son. You're not a servant. See, I've got to live my life, and I've got to do everything I'm supposed to do, and if I don't do everything I'm supposed to do, God's going to get rid of me. No, you're sons. Kurt and I drove to Rio Dosa in my pickup, and we drove back, and it's the shortest trip I've been on in a long time because he and I talked and dreamed and planned and strategized the whole way there. And we talked about church. We talked about the kingdom. We talked about things we got coming up, things that we want to do, things that are on our hearts, things that we want God to do in your lives. And we talked and we laughed and we looked up and we were there. We did the same thing coming home. We talked, we laughed, we talked about the word. You know why? Because he's a son. You see, servants go to the barracks for the night. Sons go to the big house. You and I are sons. Are you with me? For it says what? It says you're sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. When you made Jesus your Savior, you became a son. All right, I want to go to the next verse. I want to go to Galatians 3.29. It says, and now that you belong to Christ. Do you know this morning if you belong to Christ? See, I know I belong to Christ, not because I'm good, not because I do everything right, but because the preacher came to my parents' house when I was 12 years old, and he shared the gospel, and, I, and he asked me if I wanted Jesus, and I said yes. And at that moment, from then to right now, I belong to Christ. I know Don Schulte belongs to Christ. Do you know that you belong to Christ? If you know that you belong to Christ, well, pastor, I don't know. Well, you can settle that today. 
All you do is invite Christ into your life. What does it say? Now that you belong to Christ, you're the true children of Abraham and you're his heirs. Don't you love that? My favorite word is heir. What is an heir? That means somebody else did all the work and I get all the blessing. Let me say it again. Somebody else did all the work. Who did the work? Jesus did it. Where did he do it? He did it on that cross right there. Jesus did the work. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus paid the price and I get the blessing. He did the work. I get the blessing. Don't you love that deal? Man, don't you wish that would happen at your job? You show up and they hand you a paycheck and said, somebody did your job. Just take your check and go home. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. All right, that's what it says right here. It says that you're an heir. You're his heir. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Listen, don't miss this. Here's three things that happen. Jesus took your curse of disobedience. It's called sin. He fulfilled the law for you because you couldn't. And he placed you as a son. And he released his blessings in your life. Listen, I was born twice. My mother is Luella Gray. She's in heaven. And I was born in the natural Jesus said you have to be born of water and you have to be born of the Spirit. He didn't mean baptism. He meant natural birth. When a woman gives birth, her water breaks. You have to be born naturally. Then to get into the kingdom, you have to be born spiritually. How are you born spiritually? Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior. The moment I... See, I'm not repeating some religious creed. I'm not doing something to be religious. I'm being born into the kingdom. All right, I'm born into the kingdom. Now I'm a son, and I have all the rights, all the benefits, and all the privileges of sonship. Now, I want to go to the next verse. I want to go to Genesis chapter 15. Now, listen, before I go there, let me say this. What have we found out? Well, we found out that we're the heirs of Abraham. We found out that Abraham's blessings belong to us because we know Jesus is our Savior. Not because we earn them, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus paid the price. Genesis 15 talks about three things that God gave to Abraham. And because he gave them to Abraham, he's giving them to you. Anything God gave to Abraham, you get. Because you're his heir. Listen to what he said in Genesis 15.1. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He hasn't changed his name yet. He changes it to Abraham later. He tells him three things. He says, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, and I'm your exceeding great reward. Don't miss this. This belongs to you, Rosie, because you're in Christ. And God's telling you this morning, because you're in Christ, you don't have to be afraid. Don't worry about tomorrow. I got it. <clears throat> he also said, I'll be your shield. Then the third thing he said is, I'll be your exceeding great reward. Now, I want to remind you of a verse. I want to go to Isaiah 41.10. <clears throat> Listen to what it says. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not for I'm with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Listen, there's never a moment in your life that you're alone. I did a funeral this past week, and one of the things I said in that funeral is sometimes people can be tormented because they think about how a person dies. And they think, well, if that person died, you know, well, they died alone. Listen, no one dies alone. No one dies alone. Listen, it doesn't matter the circumstance of the death of your loved ones. Jesus comes, the angels come, and they carry them home. They're not alone. All right, you're not alone. Why? Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Fear not, I'm with you. 
Doesn't matter if you feel it. Doesn't matter if you get goosebumps. He said, I'm with you. The second thing he says is, don't be dismayed. I'm your God. What does that mean? You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. What about the economy, pastor? I'm not dismayed. What about the election, pastor? I'm not dismayed. Hey, I've heard my company might close and I might lose my job. I'm not dismayed. Hey, I'm concerned about prices. I'm not dismayed. You don't have to be dismayed. Why? What does he say? Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. Then he says, I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wow. Isn't that good? He said, hey, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. The second thing he says is, I'll be your shield. Now, we know what a shield is. A shield is like for fighting. It's for a battle. And you hold your shield up. You have your sword. The Bible talks about putting on the armor of God. And I have my shield. So when the fiery darts of the wicked try to come against me, I have a shield. Do you know who my shield is? God is my shield. He's your shield. What did he say? I'll be your shield. That means that if you've got to get to me, you've got to go through God first. Because he's my shield. All right, I want to read you that verse. I want to go to Psalms 512. Now, don't miss this. This is the NIV. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. Not maybe. Yeah, man. Surely. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. Well, you never know what God's will is. Yes, we do. I'm going to talk about those folks here in a little bit. Now, not in a hateful way, but just I'm going to mention them. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. Listen, you know what's in your future? Blessing. Do you know why? Because Jesus is your Savior and because you're the heir of Abraham. And it surely belongs to you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. And you surround him with favor as with a shield. Listen, your business has favor. Your job has favor. Your children are going to start school tomorrow, and they're going to have favor. Do you know why? Because when they get on the bus, and when you put, or you put them in the car and drive them to school, as you pull up to let them out, and you open the back door, you say, go, because you got the favor of God. Yeah. Instead of, you little devil, you better behave today. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, clap. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, listen, it's so simple. Just speak it over them every day. Father, I thank you that my children have favor. If anybody's going to learn, my children are. If anybody's going to do well in school, my children are. If anybody's going to do in athletics, do well in athletics, my children are. Why? Because he says here, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround him with favor as with a shield. The last thing he said is, he said, I'll be your reward. God said that. God said, I'll be your reward. Listen, if you hang out with God, things can't do anything but get better. Right? I mean, if you hang out with God, things can't do anything but get better. I know a verse in Matthew, and it says, and many of you know it, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Listen, if you'll seek God, now don't, and I don't want to trip you up with this, and I don't want you to be condemned, because lots of times we think, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that good. No, no, that's not my heart, and it's not God's heart. As you know Jesus is your Savior, as you turn your heart toward him, you're seeking him, and it says as you do that, all the things you need, all the things you're concerned about, he'll add those things to your life. But you know what we do? We go after the stuff first, and God says, if you'll go after me first, I'll take care of everything else. Right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What did God say? He said, I'm your shield. I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. Listen, God is your reward. God himself said to Abraham, I'm going to be your reward. And he's also saying he's going to be 
your reward. Amen? Praise God. All right, I want to go to another verse. I want to drop down to Genesis 15, 11. Genesis 15, 11. Now, you remember we talked about how God cut covenant with Abraham. What's a covenant? All a covenant is is an irrevocable agreement. It's all it is. It's an irrevocable agreement. You see, God made a covenant with Abraham. He made an agreement with Abraham. And that agreement, that covenant, is still in effect today. So the promises in that agreement belong to you today. Now, you and I live in a new covenant. That covenant was established by Jesus Christ, and it's still in effect today. Do you know when I die, when my heart beats its last breath, I'm going to heaven? And I'm going to be with Jesus Christ, my Savior, for all of eternity. Do you know why? Because of a covenant that Jesus Christ made, and I said, I want it. And it doesn't go away. It doesn't pass away. You still get it today. So God tells Abram. He goes to Abram, and he says, hey, I'm going to bless you. And he says, how do I know you're going to bless me? Well, the way I'm going to show you that I'm going to bless you is I'm going to cut covenant with you. Abraham understood a covenant. Uh, what did he say? He said, hey, I want you to get a, a ram. I want you to get a calf. I want you to get some animals. And I want you to cut them down the middle and lay their pieces out. And then when you would cut covenant, they would walk through the pieces and they would say some words. And they'd say, hey, everything that I have is yours. Everything that you have is mine. And if I had armor, if I cut covenant with Don, I'd give him my weapons. He would give his weapons to me. That's why the New Testament says you have the armor of God. Do you know why you have the armor of God? Because it's God's weapons, and because you're in covenant with him, he's given them to you. Isn't that unbelievable? Isn't that amazing? It's not your armor, it's God's armor. The shield of faith is God taking my place. The sword of the Spirit's the word of God. He's giving you his weapons. Why? Because you cut covenant. I heard somebody say one time, and I love this, that when you put on the armor of God, the devil can't tell whether it's you or Jesus because you look just like him. And the way he knows it's when you open your mouth. Ha <laughs> ha! I wonder why my life's the way it is. Well, that's not Jesus. <laughs> right? So he cuts these pieces in half. He puts Abraham in a sleep. God shows up in the form of fire, and he walks through the piece for himself. And then he turns, and he walks through for Abraham, and he makes an everlasting covenant with him. And that covenant still stands today, and those blessings belong to you. But before God shows up, here's what happens. Those pieces are laying out on the ground, and the buzzards show up. Let me read it to you in Genesis 15, verse 11. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abraham, Abram, chased them away. Now, don't miss this. I talked to this about last week, but I want it to sink into your heart. God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless your grandchildren. I'm going to bless your job. I'm going to bless your business. These pieces of animal are laying out there, and the buzzards show up. And Abraham has to get rid of the vultures. He has to get rid of the buzzards. He has to shoo them off the carcasses. Because if he doesn't, they'll defile those pieces. Listen, listen. Oh, don't miss this you got some vultures in your life, and they want to swoop in, and they want to tell you that God's not who he says he is, and that you can't trust him, that you can't take him at his word. It's all good in church and everything, and when Rusty talks about that, it's so amazing, but it isn't going to happen for you because for whatever reason, you're disqualified. 
And it may be somebody close to you. It may be a family member. It might be your aunt. It might be somebody you love and respect. It may be somebody at work. But you got vultures in your life. And when you decide to step out and when you pull up and dump your kids off at school and you say, man, y'all go with the favor and the blessing of God today, somebody's going to show up that day and say, well, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what God's going to do. They're buzzards. They're buzzards. And you know what you got to do with buzzards? You got to shoo them off. You got to get them out of here. Now, I'm not saying you tell your aunt in front of her, you buzzard, get out of here. Something bad will happen, right? No, right. You, you, years ago at a men's retreat, Jimmy Evans preached that you need to pray that your wife has peace of, in her mind and has sense enough not to do it in front of her. Okay, so I learned a valuable lesson there, right? You know, if you pray over your wife in front of her, Lord, just give her peace in her mind. She'll be like, what are you talking about? What? <laughs> right? Okay, so you don't do it in front of them, but here's what you do. You don't listen to what they say. You don't take to heart their unbelief. You don't take to heart that unbelief. See, you dare to step out and trust God. You dare to step out and trust God. And then those around you, what are they going to do? Well, you can't trust God. They'll have all the reasons why it won't work. You recognize them as buzzers. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this week to listen to people in your life. And I want you to recognize how many buzzards you have around you that you didn't know were around you. Now, it doesn't mean you don't love them. Don't, don't misunderstand me. That's not my heart at all. But my heart is, is you choose to trust God and his word. You don't take on their unbelief. Now, it might not even be a person. Maybe it's your own heart. Sometimes the loudest voice you hear is the one on the inside of you. And sometimes that voice can be a voice of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Maybe it's discouragement. Maybe it's depression. Maybe you think, well, I tried that before and it didn't work. It may be that. But recognize you've got to get the buzzards off the promise. How do I do that, Pastor? You just hang on to the promises of God. Father, I thank you. I'm not afraid. Father, I thank you. You're my shield. Father, I thank you. You're my great reward. And I'm hanging on to the promises. And when it doesn't look good, I'm shooing the buzzards. When it doesn't seem right, I'm shooing the buzzards. When somebody says this isn't going to work, I'm shooing the buzzards. Now, I want to go to one more verse this morning. I want to go to Galatians 4. I'm going to start reading with verse 4, and I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. I want to see you two things. Jesus had to be born of a woman. The only legal way into this planet is through birth. All right? The only legal way into this planet is through birth. So he had to be born of a woman. The second thing it says is that he was born under the law. What does that mean? That means that he fulfilled the law for you. He was under the law. He walked the law out. He kept it perfectly for you because you couldn't do it. Are you with me? All right, listen to what it says next. It says he was born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. The word redeem means to purchase. He purchased you out from under the law. You're not under it anymore that you might receive the adoption as sons. Now, the word adoption means to be placed as a son. When you made Jesus Christ your Savior, you were placed as a son. You're not under the law You're not under the curse. Let me say it one more time very clearly. You are not cursed. 
God is not cursing you. God is not wanting to curse you next week. God is not deciding if you're good enough that he's not going to curse you. You're not under a curse because the curse was put on Jesus. Please hang on to that. Please hang on to that. Let me read the next sentence. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Listen, you know what the promise of the New Testament is? Jesus lives on the inside of us. You see, in the old covenant, Jesus lived in a building. He lived in the temple in the Holy of Holies. But now Jesus lives on the inside of me. When we were at the retreat, Kurt and I ministered to the adults. We ministered to the students. And when it got down to the end of the last night, they wanted to pray for us. So the students all came up, and Kurt and I are up front. And all these high school boys and girls get around me, and they all lay their hands on me. And there's so many of them, they have to kind of do a second circle. And they've got their hands on me, and they're praying. All right, and they're praying that God's grace and blessing will be on me, and I'm receiving it. But there were two girls that when they touched me, I felt fire flow into my body. Now, let me explain to you what that is. That's the anointing, the presence of God. Now, every believer has a right to pray, and all of them were praying, but I felt specifically these two girls. When they touched me, it was like fire went into me. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, it's the presence of God. What did God do when he showed up to Abraham for the covenant? He came in the form of what? Fire. Did he not? So when these girls touched me, it felt like fire flowing into me. And that's the presence of God. It's the anointing. And you know what it does? It breaks the yoke of bondage in your life. It'll heal you. It'll deliver you. It'll give you peace. God can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. So as they were praying, I felt it. Well, when they got done, I grabbed this girl by the wrist, and I reached around and grabbed the one hand behind me. And I pulled them off to the side. And I said, hey, I said, did you feel that? Did you feel what? They didn't feel it. Now, let me tell you something very powerful here. Don't miss this. When you pray for people, a lot of times they'll feel the presence of God flow out of you, but you won't feel it. They didn't feel it, but I felt it. And I said, have y'all ever prayed for people before? Well, they're teenage girls. Of course they don't pray for people. And I don't mean that wrong, teenage girls, okay? But some of you do. I know. I know. Some of you are laughing. Y'all do pray for people. But they, they have never prayed for anybody before. And I said, God's anointing is on your hands. God's anointing. Now, listen, every believer has the anointing. Don't sit there and think, oh, I wish I had that. But there was something special stirring in them, and I encouraged them. I said, pray for people. Don't be afraid. If your grandma's sick, don't be afraid to put your hand on her and pray. If, if your brothers and sisters or your parents, listen, can I encourage you? Pray for each other. Pray for each other. If somebody is in your family sick, you don't need the preacher. you got Jesus on the inside of you. And it doesn't matter if you feel anything or not. Put your hands on them and pray. And I encouraged them, and I said, God wants to use you to pray for other people. Now, don't miss this. And because your sons... Because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Jesus lives on the inside of every single one of you that know Jesus. When Lou puts her hand on me or I put my hand on Lou and I pray in faith. See, that's why the Bible says lay hands on each other. Pray for each other. See, and and this long-distance prayer works. I do it all the time. But when you touch somebody in faith and you say in Jesus' name, the life that's in me, that's Jesus, flows into them. Now, whether you feel it or not. And then it says that our hearts cry, Abba, Father, which means what, Daddy? Daddy. It's a term of affection, right? It's a term of love, right? 
See, most Christians don't have that kind of relationship with God, but you can have that relationship. It belongs to you. Daddy, Papa, Abba, Father, Daddy, I love you. You know how when you're little, you call your dad, Daddy, and then you kind of get old and mature, and you kind of quit doing it, right? You know what I mean, right? You know, Daddy, and then you kind of get older, and it's like, you know, Dad, you know. You, you know what I mean? You know, I'm a hugger, and, you know, I always want Kurt to hug me, but we work together, we eat together. He said, Dad, if I hugged you, that's all I get done. I'd have to hug you 25 times a day. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with that? You know, every time I see the boy, I want him to hug me. And he's like, why don't we do one a day and be done? It's like, no. I need more than that. I can be kind of emotional. You know, you know what I mean by that? I mean, it's just, it's never enough, all right? Listen, you have that father relationship, that daddy relationship. Listen to it. Our hearts cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa. I dare you. I dare you this week when you pray. First off, I dare you to pray. (laughs) I dare you to pray. And then when you pray, start your prayer off with Daddy. Daddy, I want to talk to you. You'll feel like, oh, man, you know, I don't know about that. Do it. Do it. That's what the Scripture says. Then it says, therefore, you're no longer a slave but a son. <sighs> Isn't that good news? Don't we sing a song about that? Yeah. yeah, I'm no longer a slave but a son. And if I'm a son, and I am, and you are, then I'm an heir of God through Christ. And I want to end with one truth this morning. All of this teaching for all these weeks has been about how we're Abraham's heirs and the promises God gave to Abraham belong to us. Let me show you this. This is, this is amazing. It also says you're the heir of God. Listen to it. Then, let me just read the whole verse. Therefore, you're no longer a slave but a son. And if I'm a son, then I'm an heir of who? God. I'm an heir of God. Through Christ Jesus. I've been saying this for weeks. Let me just say it to you one more time this morning. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. And all he has belongs to you. Now, in the Old Testament, you can study. There's all kinds of names in the Old Testament for God. And you can, and they're amazing. They're good to study. There's nothing wrong with it. But did you know in the New Testament, the only name Jesus used for God was Father? He didn't say El Shaddai. He didn't say any of those other names. And those names are good. He called him Father. Do you know what Jesus came to do? He came to reveal to you God as Father. Father. He's my Father. He's my Daddy. He's my Papa. And I'm his son. And you're his son. You're his daughter. And I'm his heir. He paid the price. I get the blessing. When you and I are walking the streets of golden heaven and we see each other and I'm going to throw myself on you and I'm going to hug your neck and you're going to hug my neck and we're going to go, ah! That's what we're going to do. You know that, right? Yeah, you're going to be so excited to be there. And you know why we're going to be there? We're going to be there because the covenant's still in effect. Jesus paid the price and we're the heirs of God. And we're going to enjoy God's presence. We're going to enjoy each other for all of eternity. Amen. Y'all stand up. Let's pray.